listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am your owner host, Swathan on the Kumar, the advocacy outreach specialist for the American Office of the Blind, and joined by. Hello, everyone. This is Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And as always, thank you to all of you listening uh, via your podcast player. And a shout out to uh, all you oil in ACB Media Land. So, Clark, what's going on today? Uh, what is going on today or what is going on uh, around the world of ACB? <laughs> We are bringing folks just an advocacy grab bag podcast because there has been a lot of significant news and events. Several are longtime uh, advocacy issues that ACB, our members and the broader community have been working on and collaborating together uh, across the disability community uh, with our partners in the federal government. And other issues are our legislative imperatives. Another issue specific to uh, blindness, low vision, and deafblind individuals that make up the American Council of the Blind. So, Swatha, I will kick us off with our first item, uh, an item that you played a, a significant role in, and that is that the comment deadline has now come and gone for the Department of Justice. Uh, they had a notice of proposed rulemaking for uh, online accessibility, the accessibility of websites and mobile applications under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So ADA Title II is specific to the goods, services, benefits, advantages, privileges of state and local governments. So this has been a long time coming. Uh, many th folks thought that this would be done by uh, the you know, previous administrations in 2015, 2016. And then when the Obama administration changed to the Trump administration, the priorities of the federal government changed because, as we all know, elections have consequences. And the Title II ADA rulemaking for websites was never completed. So here we are with a new president, a new administration, and the Department of Justice once again uh, is looking at the accessibility of websites and mobile applications. And we've taken uh, a step further than we ever have before by issuing an NPRM, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. So ACB filed standalone comments, but we also worked with our partners in the national disability rights community and submitted a coalition comment with 264 national, state, and local organizations signed on. Uh, many of those included ACB state affiliates, ACB special interest affiliates, and chapters of the American Council of the Blind. So thank you to everyone uh, who added their organization to the coalition comment for the accessibility of websites 
and mobile applications at the Department of Justice under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, now that comments are submitted and the comment deadline has passed and the federal government remains open and funded, uh, Swatha, now we wait, right? We need to see what comes next after DOJ has read and analyzed all of the comments they've received. Yep, now we wait. Um, there, the DOJ certainly has a lot, a lot of comments on this issue, so maybe a lot, lot, lot to work with. Um, so speaking of new administrations and new pres and new priorities, um, yesterday or not yesterday, I'm sorry, Monday, October second, Clark and I, along with, along with other disability advocates in this in our national um national national arena, went to the South Lawn of the White House um to celebrate the anniversaries of the American Disabilities Act and the Rehabilit Rehabilitation Act. Um, so fun event, very, very, very incredible to, to see here President and Vice President speak on their commitment to disability and disability um, rights and access. And got to, and Clark and I got to, got, got to meet both the Vice President and President. So that, that was amazing as well. Yeah, Swatha, what did you think about that? Getting to meet a, a sitting president, although he was standing at the time, but oh, the, the current president of the United States and the current vice president. It was amazing. I had, it, was, it was a lot of fun. They asked names, they asked where from, so it was great. How do you think, Clark? You and I'm four. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I count it as a win as long as you can get some words out of your mouth uh, that are, <laughs> you know, hello, Mr. President. Hello, Mrs. Vice yes. President. And not call them their first names. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, maybe next year you'll be on a first name basis with Kamala. <laughs> yeah. But you also got some great photos from the events as well. Yeah, they're on a social media page. Um, so I, um, along with um, our colleagues, I'm in the press, from Parallel Defense of, of America, National Spread Network, and the Red Professional Blind got pictures with the president and vice president as well. So they are on social media. So it was, it was a fun day. It was a fun day. It, it was a long day. It was a hot day. But I think it's important for all of us to to take an opportunity like this. You know, did, Was this a bill signing? Was this a new regulation going into effect? Did this move the needle? in a tangible way for people with disabilities throughout the United States? No, but at the same time, I think it's important for us to all celebrate um, those who have come before us, reflect on the work of ACB members, uh, either you know longstanding ACB members or ACB members past. Um, certainly there was a, a moment of remembrance for the late, great Judy Human. Um, we aren't here today by by accident or happenstance, right? So it's important to reflect on all the work that has been done, celebrate the accomplishments of 33 years of the Americans with Disabilities Act, 50 years of the Rehabilitation Act, and then also turn to the future. We know there's a lot more work to do, um, and it, events like the one on Monday help energize us for that work ahead, right, Swatha? Yes, it's, it's, 
and fourth grade to to get for them for them for, for them to see that we're that we're here and that we matter. So exactly. And another area where the work continues, Swatha, is in the healthcare space. Yes. So um, following following this DOJ and PRM and Title II comments, um, the Department of Health Department of Health and Health and Human Services Health and Human Services um, released their own NPRM um, on five hundred four of the Rehabilitation Act, which um, Section five hundred four um, applies to federal programs and government funded programs, um, not not commission on this disability. So, um, what this this um, is a refresh. So. These, this NPRM will um, kind of dictate how HHS goes goes about their 504 obligations obligations in the future. So this comment is this comment is due in November mid November. Um, so we'll be working on the, our our on our own comments as well, and including and and this would this this would community community comment as well. So stay tuned, folks. And some things that really stood out to me when just taking a, a first glance at these comments, Swatha, I mean, these are what, 500 pages of oh, yeah. uh, the notice of proposed rulemaking. So just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but it includes websites, applications, and kiosks. So any way that uh, somebody with a disability is digitally or virtually accessing healthcare. Um, this is covered. So that is huge. And then there's also requirements for durable medical equipment. Um, but but currently, the durable medical equipment requirements are for physical access only. So think about a, a scale in a doctor's office that a wheelchair can roll onto or a person using a wheelchair can roll onto. Um, think about an adjustable height uh, doctor's bed or table uh, so that it's easier for folks to get onto. It mm -hmm. does not address sensory disabilities for durable medical equipment. So that is a, a point that we will make and make loudly for our members and the broader community. Mm -hmm. So basically, what are what the medical device accessibility act would would do is not included in this NPRM. Exactly. Even though last year the National Council on Disability included sensory access to durable medical equipment in their health equity framework, uh, it seems like we still have more work to do uh, to get all parts of the federal government on the same page. You know, the Access Board has held sessions and uh, roundtable discussions on the accessibility of durable medical equipment as well. We just need to now drive that point home with the Department of Health and Human Services as well. Yeah. Oh, speaking of driving the point home that that um, folks with disabilities require um, access, the NIH um, National, National, National Institute of Health um, this designated this this community as a health disparity health disparity publication 
So what that means is that they, the, the people who have disabilities are now that needed as a, as a group that needs research and that um, can benefit from, from data. Um, and what this means more broadly is that they they can now conduct research into how health health disparities and how uh, health healthcare systems um discriminate or fail to adequately provide access to people with disabilities in in all aspects of health of healthcare. Yes, and the NIH made that announcement on September twenty sixth. Um, this will go into effect for grants. Um, you know, I guess grant applications are open uh, th until January. And this is huge, right? How many times have we heard, well, what's the data on that? How many people who are blind are impacted by not having accessible access to health care? And the major folks doing research on the impact of access to health care aren't collecting that data. So to have the National Institutes of Health, um, including people with disabilities as a disparate health population, uh, will give us the, uh, basically the ammunition, right? Um, the information that we need to be able to advocate more effect effectively for disability inclusion and disability equity. And Swatha, they're not only looking at uh, people with disabilities as a standalone population, but they're looking at people with disabilities um, in the intersection of disability with other disparate health populations. Yeah, exactly. So people disabilities don't, don't exist in a, in a vacuum. So they are also, you know, people of color, people who are LGBTQ, people who are... Um, lower income, who lack the resources, resources, who um just this is this really weaves weaves into all aspects aspects of human existence. And it's great that the NIH and um other researchers are recognizing recognizing that. So it's a great announcement. That's right. I mean what what measures what you measure matters, right? So yep. this is a, a real tangible step forward um, for the the administration, but also our healthcare community saying people with disabilities matter, and we're going to collect the necessary data to ensure that people with disabilities are served um, throughout the United States, whether urban, rural, or all of the other uh, intersectional lenses that Swatha previously mentioned. All right. Uh, in addition to the regulatory items that have been taking place, we've received some great news on the legislative front as well. Uh, so on September 28th, a year to the day that it was introduced in the 117th Congress, Senator Duckworth and Representative Sarbanes uh, reintroduced the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act here in the 118th Congress. 
Uh, this is a legislative imperative for the American Council of the Blind. This goes hand in glove with the work we are doing on the DOJ Title II comments, and we're still pushing for DOJ Title III um, places of public accommodations for them to need to make their websites and applications accessible as well. Uh, but we've also been pushing for this legislation because we know that the the ADA cannot do it all, just like the Rehabilitation Act uh, cannot cover everything. So the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act would drive accessibility even for, further into our culture and our society, uh, pushing toward universal design, um, not only by the the businesses, the ent the employers, the entities that are interfacing with disabled consumers and employees, but extending the accessibility obligations to the third-party vendors, those who own and operate and design the websites and applications and platforms that employers and businesses and nonprofits purchase. Um, to serve their mission and the broader public. And Swather, there's one big addition to the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act here in the 118th Congress in 2023, and that is that it is bipartisan. So we have our first Republican co-sponsor in the House, Representative Pete Sessions from Texas, is an original co-sponsor and is a supporter of digital accessibility and inclusion. So many folks say, you know, from industry, well, we're not going to look at the bill until you get Republicans on board. And uh, many <laughs> folks in Congress say, well, we're not going to look at the bill until you get support from industry. And it kind of becomes, a, you know, the chicken or the egg, right? Which are you going to get first? Bipartisan support? or industry support. Well, now we have bipartisan support. So uh, this is going to garner a lot more attention for the legislation. We hope that it's going to bring our partners in industry to the table um, to have you know, very you know, fruitful conversations and actual legislative conversations, not at the 60,000 foot level or the 30,000 foot level. But what do you like about this bill and what you don't? Do you have recommendations to improve it or opportunities where the bill could evolve to gain your support and help us push for passage? Uh, that's that's why this is so significant. The first uh, the first member of of a different party is always the hardest one to get. And we're hopeful that now with the the state of the House of Representatives, although they may be distracted right now with seeking a, a new speaker for the House. Um, we hope that they'll be looking for something that they can hang their hat on and something that they can support and get behind. And we think that that could be the Website and Software Applications Accessibility Act. Also going to help us build us find support and find public support in the Senate as well, because we have one house now. So why one Senate? Wait, wait, Senate. Absolutely. Yep. And another bipartisan, bipartisan bicameral bill is the Anne, sorry, Alice Coxville and Anne Sullivan Macy Act. Is I think that's right. I say it. Yes. Okay. It's a long, yeah, 
long name. Um, so this bill will expand educational opportunities for blind, deafblind, and deaf, deaf disabled um, students in K twelve in K twelve in the K twelve system by kind of expanding and um, improving the individuals individual individual with disability education act um idea. So what and this bill has been introduced in the Senate by Senator Markey of Massachusetts and um Senator Capito of West Virginia, who's a so Democrat and Republican. And there's also and also in the House by Senator Cartwright, Democrat from Pennsylvania, and Representative Rutherford and Representative Cartwright. So um yeah, the partisan bicameral is a big issue for, for us for us in this split community. And we're excited now that this is my partisan this image it just can. Yes, and this is a, a great opportunity for at ACB to lock arms with our colleagues and counterparts from the deafblind community, as well as the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, as many ACB members know, this is not the first time that the Cogswell-Macy Act has been introduced. Um, it's been a long time priority for the American Council of the Blind and our allies. Um, it has been a bipartisan, bicameral bill for uh, several Congresses now, and there's no reason for it not to be, right? Um, providing opportunities for students with disabilities, ensuring that they and their families have the necessary uh, resources that they need to be successful. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but as Swatha mentioned, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, um, IDEA, has not been reauthorized for quite some time now. And realistically, that's the vehicle for a bill like this uh, to pass because it, it would amend um, IDEA. And many folks in, in Congress, although supportive of the Cogswell-Macy Act, um, it's doubtful that a single bill amending IDEA will be brought forward because there are other groups with other priorities related to IDEA as well. Um, but it is helpful to have this marker out there for everyone to know what we are for, what we support, so that when the day comes that IDEA is reauthorized, they will be able to look toward the Cogswell-Macy Act and know that these are the priorities of the blind and low vision communities. These are the priorities of the deaf blind community. And these are the priorities of the deaf and hard of hearing community. So they can take that into account in a reauthorization package. Yep, very exciting. And we're excited, we're excited about, about these bills. ACB deaf support is to use the Castle Macy and the web access bill. So we look forward to seeing how Look forward, look forward, look forward, look forward to gain this game support and see how it So, and for those keeping score at home, that that is three uh, legislative imperatives introduced, um, two of which are on a bipartisan basis. So, the Medical Device Non Visual Accessibility Act, 
um, has only been introduced in the House of Representatives, but it is a bipartisan bill. The Communications, Video, and Technology Accessibility Act has been introduced in both the House and Senate, but does not have uh, Republican co-sponsors in the House and Senate. And here, just last week, we had the reintroduction of the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act, um, only supported by Democrats in the Senate, but a bipartisan bill in introduced in the House of Representatives. So three out of four, uh, not bad. You know, if you're if you're grading on a bell curve, we're we're right in the meat of that curve. If you're grading on a scale out of one hundred, we're seventy five percent. So mm -hmm. we're working on it. There's still over a year left in the 118th Congress. And we know that uh, certainly health and wellness remains a priority for ACB, as Swatha mentioned, with the uh, Section 504 regulations and disability, be, disability being considered a disparate health um, community by NIH. So we will continue to push for accessible access to healthcare, medical equipment, and exercise and fitness equipment as well. Swatha, anything else you'd like to add before this this podcast wraps up? Um, next week, ACB will be at the Summit and advocating for more accessible technology. So see you all there. Yes, the M enabling uh, summit. The M is short for mobile, mm -hmm. and the conference primarily focuses on the accessibility of information communication uh, technology. But the the scope of the conference is growing, and the the types of folks from the federal government, whether it's the Access Board, the Federal Communications Commission, the Department of Justice, um, more folks from the federal government are interested in attending this conference and more than just uh, telephone and cable companies from industry are attending this conference. So it's great to see it's gr it growing. It's great to see the the scope um, and the the topics in technology and certainly new and emerging technology. Everyone's all about AI right now uh, and artificial intelligence. So it'll be interesting to view AI through an accessibility lens, uh, the good, the bad, and the otherwise, right? There's certainly mm -hmm. some promise and potential, but there are uh, concerns that need to be addressed as well. So Swatha, I think you just uh, highlighted, we may need to do an M enabling or uh, an AI podcast following this conference. We will, we will see, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I, I, you'll do it. Yeah, we will. We'll, yeah. You'll soon. So. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. Uh, please recommend the podcast to your friends, whether you're listening to it on the ACB Media Network or via your favorite podcast player. And as always, if you have an advocacy issue that you would like to share with ACB, please email us at advocacy at acb.org. And we'll keep doing our work, but we need all of your help to keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. 
you can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.